Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Nuria martinez Keel, And I'm Dale Denwalt. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. This week, we examine the case of Julius Jones, a man imprisoned on death row for almost two decades. It's a story of murder, of race, and a community fighting to bring the case to the governor's desk for commutation. In July 1999, Edmond resident Paul Scott Howell was murdered outside his parents' home in front of his sister and his daughters. The suspect drove away in Howell's SUV. Within days, police turned their attention to Jones, a 19-year-old former student athlete. Jones was convicted of Howell's killing and sentenced to death. But in recent years, Jones' case has gained nationwide attention and celebrity support for his claim of innocence. His push for release took a step forward this week when his case came before the Oklahoma Pardon and Parole Board. Joining us this week is reporter Josh Delaney, who's helped cover the case for the Oklahoman. What decision did the Pardon and Parole Board make this week? Yeah, so uh, the vote Monday was essentially whether to move the case forward to what's called stage two of Oklahoma's uh, commutation process. And this was pretty much a critical first step with with rare rare exceptions. um, This commutation would not have moved forward. In other words, Julius Jones wouldn't have had many, many other options. Typically, um, if a commutation application is denied at the first stage, uh, a, a prison inmate will have about three years to reapply. Well, in this case, it moved forward to stage two and more uh, uh, opportunities will be presented for uh, Julius Jones to make his claim before the board. In fact, he likely will uh, speak to the board via uh, video conference. So if they move the case along at, at a stage two vote, then it goes before Governor Kevin Stitt's desk and he will have ultimate approval over the commutation as, as he does with uh, every other commutation case in the state. And that the, the board will vote again on whether to recommend his commutation in, in June. Am I correct on that? Yes. Josh, it's uh, somewhat unusual for a death penalty case to go to the pardon and parole board, right? Um, I believe this, this may be the first time that that's been considered. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it is uh highly unusual. Some death row cases have been uh, turned over, though, um, in the past. But yeah, it is it is highly unusual in Oklahoma. And so ultimately, this decision rests on the governor. Um, yeah, he, you know, he can pass the pardon parole board's 
recommendations, but the pardon pro board aren't the ones who actually say that, yeah, your sentence is commuted. That is correct. They will recommend that an individual's case be commuted. They make that recommendation uh, to the governor, and then the governor will have the ultimate uh, say on, on a particular case. So it's, it's not much of a surprise that prosecutors haven't backed down and want to see Jones executed. What evidence makes them feel so confident in his guilt? Well, they have a few things that they point to. One is that um, the weapon was wrapped in a bandana uh, that was in, found in the, uh, in the Jones uh, home. Um, now, it is claimed uh, by Jones's team that 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 he was home at the time that uh, uh, Paul Howe was was murdered. Uh, the defense and and uh, has said that uh, this weapon was was uh, ultimately found there. Uh, and then they point to uh, one eyewitness who uh, identified Jones. And then another issue is that. Um, a couple of years ago, the defense attorneys wanted to do DNA testing on a uh, red bandana. They, they thought this would exonerate him. Um, well, it turned out that Jones's DNA was found uh, on a red bandana uh, connected to the case. So those, uh, in my view, uh, are, their, are their strongest uh, uh, points for, for prosecution. Now, since Jones was arrested, he's maintained his innocence. Um, he claims that he was framed by someone else who was involved in the case, Christopher Jordan. Um, how was Jordan involved, and, and what's his status now? Yeah, so this um, this gets a little bit uh, complicated, but at trial... Uh, an acquaintance of his, and we ha we have to go back and realize that Jones was Julius Jones was about 19 years old. Uh, he was 19 years old at the time of his arrest. At trial, uh, his acquaintance Christopher Jordan uh, implicated Julius Jones in this in this uh, shooting death of Mr. Howell, um, and then under a plea agreement, uh, Christopher Jordan uh, pleaded guilty to first degree murder and conspiracy to commit a robbery for his um, role, uh, which included a carjacking. He was sentenced to, I think it was 30 years um, in prison. Um, recently, an inmate uh, in Arkansas claims that another inmate uh, overheard or heard Christopher Jordan, according to this other inmate, admit to um, killing uh, Paul Howe. And this information comes from a man named Roderick Wesley. Uh, he put out this statement uh, in early to mid-February. And in part, he says that, or this quote is that Jordan said to me, my co-defendant is on death row uh, behind a murder I committed. Uh, he was acting like he was sorry for what he had done, but he said that he was not going to jump out there and give himself up to the wolves. And this is quoting an inmate, quoting Jordan. Uh, so it gets a little, uh, allegedly or supposedly, so it gets a little bit uh, complicated. Um, 
and his Julius Jones's attorneys say that Arkansas convict Roderick Wesley is now the third person to uh, come out and say that Christopher Jordan uh, confessed to being the one who ultimately uh, killed Paul Howell. Um, so there's a lot of, I, I don't want to use legal terms here, but you, you have a convict saying that he heard from somebody else that Mr. Jordan uh, has, has admitted to this. And then there's also some more evidence that uh, Jones's attorneys have said um, implicates Jordan as the one who pulled the trigger uh, specifically. I think there's a, a witness statement that said the, the person who shot, uh, who pulled the trigger, uh, had long hair. Um, Jordan at the time had long hair. Jones has always uh, shaved his head, right? Right. Yeah. Well, that that's that's a central um, issue here. Um, you've 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 summed up the case for both sides when it comes to to that point. There's there's been debate over that since uh, since the trial. Oklahoma County District Attorney David Prater asked one member of the Pardon and Parole Board to recuse himself from voting on Jones' case. What was the dispute around that? Yeah, so um, Adam Luck, had, who is the acting chair at the moment, um, he retweeted uh, a tweet by Kim Kardashian, who uh, has has been one among many celebrities um, to call for uh, Jones to or Julius Jones to be uh, released. And this tweet and this retweet was in October of 2019. And this came up uh, a f- just a, a couple of days before the uh, stage one vote uh, that happened. And David Prater, the Oklahoma County uh, District Attorney, uh, wrote to the Pardon and Parole Board and, and really to uh, uh, Adam Luck specifically, um, saying that, that, that he publicly demonstrated his personal bias in regards uh, to the case. Um, now this tweet was um, uh, Kim Kardashian asking to asking to please help Jones by um, asking the board to give consideration to his case. Uh, Adam Luck went on a um, he went on a Twitter or created a Twitter thread that more or less explaining the board's processes. And what he said Monday was that he was not going to recuse himself that 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 explaining the board's processes on the social media platform was a way to uh, broadcast their their processes to as wide an audience as possible uh, so he didn't feel like that merited um, recusing himself from the vote so we're still a few months away from uh, at least knowing um, the fate of this case and of Julius Jones now, what are the options that are open to the governor? Uh, if, if he takes Jones's side here, it, does that mean that Jones goes free or just means that his death sentence is, uh, is, is, is wiped away and he just has to spend the rest of his life in prison? What's the, what's the deal? Yeah. If, if he denies it, um, it, uh, for all, uh, all, uh, appearances, 
uh, you know, looks like Julius Jones will uh, will ultimately face um, the death penalty. Now, his defense is saying what they want. What they want uh, specifically is for um, his case to be reduced to uh, time served and to be released from prison. Uh, so I am not sure if there's what there is between what the defense is wanting and uh, the governor uh, simply denying the the commutation. Now, on principle, in Oklahoma, uh, commutations are available if uh, new information has come out about the case, or if the or if the punishment is deemed accessible. So a commutation is supposed to be, in, in, in the uh, principle of the matter, uh, a reduction of, of a sentence. So um, what room the governor might have in there, uh, that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, not too, too clear on. But the case is supposed to come up again uh, around June. We will be eagerly watching that. Um... Josh, thanks for for joining us this week. Uh, Podcast listeners, stick around. We're going to talk to another Oklahoman reporter about how the community has responded to Jones's call for commutation. Uh, Josh, thanks for joining us this week. Carla Hinton is with us now. Carla, you covered the reaction to the Pardon and Parole Board's decision uh, from Jones's family and local activists. What was the response when his application for commutation moved forward on Monday? Well, I'll tell you, uh, we were outside the uh, Oklahoma Pardon and Parole Board's office, and there were probably uh, 30 people there and some uh, uh, pastors were, were speaking and some other um, people were just kind of encouraging the crowd and that sort of thing. They knew that they were waiting on word of the uh, vote uh, regarding uh, Julius Jones' uh, commutation request. And we had been told, like maybe five minutes before we, we heard that a decision had been handed down, I had been told by someone in the crowd that... Uh, that we were going to be there for a while, that, you know, it would probably be, you know, maybe an hour or so. The next thing I know, there was a uh, supporter in his truck uh, on, that was right in front of the building, and he went over and talked to a couple of the uh, supporters at the front of the group, and they all started listening to the phone. And what I heard later was that he had the, uh, he was listening on the phone to the vote, and when they when they realized that they got the th- three of the four votes, which is what they needed to move the uh, process forward for Mr. Jones, they just everyone started uh, yelling, screaming. Uh, you know, uh, there was a lady who was saying hallelujah. Uh, they started hugging each other. I, I believe there were some tears. Uh, there were a lot of people that were very, uh, very invested in this. It sounds like they're very invested in this. It must have been a really uh, emotional moment for for these people um, who who had gathered to see whether the pardon and parole board would side with Jones's call for commutation. Um, 
Now, the his supporters here locally also have a lot of support nationally and, and maybe even internationally. There's a lot of celebrity attention that this case has gotten. Um, what, what are some of the famous names um, that people might recognize who have gotten behind this support uh, for, his, for his commutation? Well, one of them, and, and I'll say right off the bat, is uh, actress uh, Viola Davis. She is the the uh, one who helped produce, I believe she produced uh, a, uh, I guess for, for lack of a better term, it was a, a production, a TV production called The Last Defense. And it uh, highlighted uh, what what they found were, or they, they believe they found some uh, inaccuracies and, and some things in uh, Mr. Jones's uh, original case that needed to be uh, looked at again. And so that aired and that got a lot of attention from a lot of different people. So that's uh, Viola Davis is one, obviously, because she was behind the last defense. Uh, Kim Kardashian was one of the latest uh, uh, celebrities to to get behind it. She even I believe she came here to Oklahoma not too long ago um, to uh, speak speak about that issue. Um, there uh, there have been a lot of um, uh, NBA players, uh, Russell Westbrook, um, Blake Griffin. Uh, Russell, you know, has ties to Oklahoma because he was uh, played for the Thunder, Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, for many, many years. And then, of course, Blake Griffin was, was born and raised here in Oklahoma, Oklahoma boy. And uh, he also uh, lent his voice to this idea that Mr. Jones needed another another hearing or at least another another chance at someone uh, giving him clemency or, or commutation. Oh, and then we also have uh, NFL players, one of them in particular, um, Baker Mayfield, who, of course, was a star quarterback at OU and then went on to the Cleveland Browns. And so he he uh, he is supporting this this effort as well. So that's maybe four or five people just right off the bat that I can that I can think of. And and obviously Kim Kardashian, who has uh, really been um, incredibly vocal uh, about the about the case on social media, and we talked with Josh Delaney uh, in this in the last segment, and he talked about um, how one of the pardon pro members almost got in hot water. You know, he was asked to recuse himself because he retweeted one of Kim Kardashian's tweets. Uh, uh, interesting to see so, so much. Uh, national celebrity attention focused on a case here in Oklahoma. Right, right. And of course, you know that from what I understand in reading uh, Josh's stories and some other stories in our own newspaper, I believe that the uh, prosecutor, prosecutors uh, are saying that they don't want people to forget about the bare bones of this case just because celebrities uh, are involved. And so that's the celebrities being involved kind of takes the the case to a whole nother level. Carla, a key piece of context around this case, I think, is the racial dynamics. Jones is a black man accused of killing a white businessman in the suburbs. The local Black Lives Matter chapter has gotten behind Jones as part of their advocacy. Just how important are issues of race in this case, especially among the people that you spoke to uh, outside the pardon and parole board meeting on Monday? Well, it, it was very evident in in every um, meeting or gathering that I've I've been to regarding uh, Mr. Jones' case that that race is a big issue for his supporters. Uh, just uh, Monday, when when they were waiting on the uh, pardon and parole board's decision, uh, there was a young man uh, there who talked about uh, you know not wanting to see another uh, black man 
uh, in, in behind bars forever because th- that way he won't be able to participate in, uh, you know, in the system. He won't, you know, obviously he won't be able to vote. He won't be able to participate, you know, with his family, uh, involved in community activities, have a job, that sort of thing. And so there's this idea that it's, a, this is another, um, element, uh, that mass incarceration, they talked about mass incarceration and that this is another element of systemic racism that this group is fighting against that, that it's, that, that's the big picture for, for a lot of, a lot of people. And I know that early on one I asked that question too. And early on, one of the supporters told me, I believe it was, uh, Reverend CC Jones Davis or someone else told me that one of the things that they, uh, find particularly, uh, frustrating or particularly problematic is that the DA at the time who prosecuted the case, um, Bob Macy right off the bat, uh, you know, said that he was going to, to go for the, for the death penalty. And they felt like without already having, um, you know, some of the particulars in the case, the case had not played itself out yet. And he was already doing that. And so they felt like that was possibly something that was tied to race because the victim was white and the, and the, uh, perpetrators of the, the suspects were, were black. And so that's something that, uh, people who have been looking at the case in recent years have had a problem with. And they tie it in again, once again, to systemic racism. So I, I believe race pays a, pays a huge uh, factor, plays a huge factor in this case. Well, Carla, how does Jones's family feel about uh, the decision that happened this week at the Pardon and Parole Board and the, uh, the next hearing uh, uh, later this year, and eventually it'll reach the governor's desk? Are they optimistic? You talked about you know, people were celebrating um, uh, outside outside the, the the meeting place, outside the building. Um, was that premature optimism, um, or do they really have something to look forward to here? Well, I tell you what, everybody that I talked to, you know, they said we're so excited, but they also said they realized that this is only the first step. That you know, there there are other steps to be taken, but but they they argued that. Without the first step, you don't get to the other steps. And right, that makes sense. So they're, they're cautious, cautiously optimistic. I did not go to the uh, media, uh, the news conference that the Jones family had, but I can tell you just um, maybe a couple of weeks ago when the uh, Jones supporters carried uh, boxes of uh, signatures of petition of a petition that was signed on his behalf down to the pardon and parole board that his mother was there. Uh, Jones's mother was there and she just said that she feels like the supporters are, are part of his family. And I, I got the impression that she is cautiously optimistic and that she realizes that they, that they needed this step in order to get to, uh, you know, get through the rest of the process. I mean, you, you, they, they had to be this vote and this vote was in, in the supporters favor. And so they'll, they'll hopefully, uh, for them, they want to see other, um, other steps taken in their favor, but they had to have the first step. And that's why I think they were so happy because it had this gone another way, had they not gotten this vote, then from what I understand, this was, I don't think he has very much, uh, he would have any more options. I, I think he would have very few options, uh, to either, to either get out of prison or to, uh, for his sentence to be commuted. I, I think he was going to be out of options. But what happens if, if the ultimately say the governor decides to, reject his call for commutation um will will all of this uh effort be in vain 
you know what? I don't think so. I, I think it's really interesting. I, I've asked that question uh, since I've known about the, the, all of the support that has, has emerged for Mr. Jones. And I think from what I understand, they're going to keep going. Matter of fact, one of the pastors there, um, Pastor uh, Larry Crudup, he is the senior pastor of Tabernacle Baptist Church, where Mr. Jones' uh, mother ha- has attended and is a ministry leader. He mentioned to the crowd there that he wanted to encourage them that this is a this is this uh, fight or this battle is uh, something that needs to be uh, waged long haul in terms of uh, the uh, battle against systemic oppression, uh, systemic racism, uh, you know, getting the powers that be to see mass incarceration the way the supporters see it as being uh, something that is systemically racist, uh, you know, inherently racist. Um I think that he was telling them, if you get tired, this is one of his quotes, and I didn't get to put it into my story, I don't think. When you get tired, tap someone else on the shoulder and let them, you know, go go some for you. And then you, you can get back in the race. But I thought that was real interesting. In, in other words, what he was saying is, uh, this is perhaps bigger than Mr. Jones. And, and so I don't think um, they're going to stop. They're going to be looking at other cases. I, I kind of got that impression. I think someone even said that. They're going to be looking at maybe some other cases where they feel like um, there's been injustice, not just racial injustice, but maybe maybe some other uh, uh, injustices or inaccuracies or, or errors or things like that, that, that they feel like uh, the state needs to look at. Well, Carla, thank you so much for taking us into the activism aspect. It's been so prominent whenever you hear the name Julius Jones. So we really appreciate you discussing that with us today. Thanks for joining us this week. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahomans' subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read these stories and more every day in The Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.